Farmers today are facing rising costs, volatile markets, and extreme weather. The Better Way to Farm podcast digs into strategies to help you take control of farm inputs and maximize profit so your farm can thrive for generations. Remember to take advantage of our free resources at abetterwaytofarm.com. Now, from America's Heartland, here's your host. Hey guys, Rod here at A Better Way to Farm. Merry Christmas. We are on day 12. This is the last of the nutrients. We're going to talk about zinc. Guys, our goal here is to improve yields and increase profits. And oftentimes we attempt to accomplish that by getting people to think, getting people to ask why, trying to figure out why we're doing something and is it the best thing for us. So let's dive in and talk about zinc here. As we start out, first of all, let's talk about what it does. What do we know about it? What do we need? It aids in plant growth hormones and enzyme systems. It is necessary for chlorophyll production. It is necessary for carbohydrate formation. And it's necessary for starch formation. And it aids in seed formation. And so as we look at all those things that it does, it's a critical, critical component. We know that like all the other nutrients, it interacts with others. There are others that can impact what you need and what you don't need there. And sometimes it'll mask another deficiency. Looking at the Midwest Handbook from the Agronomy Handbook from Midwest Laboratories, their comments here on zinc would include that it is availability decreases as pH decreases of the soil. That's pretty typical with the exception of molly. As you know, yesterday we talked about molly and as the pH dives, the molly becomes more and more available. Most of your micronutrients, as the pH goes down, they become less available and zinc is one of those. At 5.0, the availability of zinc is high and the availability decreases until it gets to where the, the zinc becomes available to the plants. Zinc deficiencies may be found on acid sandy soils and total zinc, low in total zinc. High in phosphorus, organic soils, soils where the subsoils have been exposed to land leveling practices are areas that we would look for to be deficient. We also know that zinc deficients are very prevalent in cool, wet weather during the spring. So guys, we can have some zinc out there, but if it's cold and it's wet, it may not be available to the plant, and therefore an application probably would serve us well and make us some money. The fertilizer handbook here from the Fertilizer Institute, its as you guys know, it's one of my favorites, and we keep finding them, and more and more people are buying them. Just look on Amazon, guys. its They're out of print. But ever so often, one or two come up for sale. Again, the availability of zinc to plants decreases as with increasing soil pH. In other words, once we get up to, I said that wrong earlier and I apologize. When we get up to a pH of 9, zinc is basically not available. So the availability of the zinc decreases with increasing soil pH. Other factors would include the soil texture and organic matter. And again, temperature and moisture really create a lot of zinc deficiencies and are much more severe in the spring on cold, wet soils. Your crops that are most susceptible to the deficiency would include corn, several bean species, cotton and flax, many fruits and nuts type crops. Some of the varieties within those are even more susceptible to those, so we want to pay attention to that. Zinc toxicity to plants is not common and may be reduced by eliminating or liming the soil. So in other words, if we're worried about getting too much zinc, we can go ahead and get that pH up where we want it, and we'll do it. It's funny because yesterday we had someone call us, and they were talking about the idea of finding a product that would suppress ethylene in the plant. 
And the reason for suppressing the ethylene was they didn't want the plant to like die prematurely. They didn't want it. They wanted it to stay green. Zinc deficient plants usually mature at a later date than normal plants. Guys, not only here they won't die, but they just simply won't mature. And so that a little bit too much of either thing is not good. We don't want them to be not able to mature. We don't want our crop to be physiologically not mature when it's time to harvest, nor do we want the corn to die too quickly. And so guys, it's all about doing the right thing. It's all about putting on the nutrients that we need when we need them in the amount that we need them. Rather than try and do the wrong thing and use too much nitrogen or too much magnesium or too much of anything, what we want to do is we want to use the right amount and therefore that plant will stay healthier and stay green a lot longer. We know that, that plant health comes from that. I had a great conversation with Randy today and he talked about how when he foliar fed our 2600 with some boron and some micros in it, how much longer the plant stayed green and how it improved his yield. It's all about doing the right thing, guys. We just want to keep coming back to that and keep coming back to that. As we look into the Western book here, the Western Fertilizer Handbook, and I have no idea if this thing's even in print. We, I got lucky and found it on Amazon. I thought it looked like an interesting read, so I grabbed it. They talk about the fact that zinc is linked closely with iron and manganese in the formation of chlorophyll. So here we go again. Having just a lot of iron, having just a lot of manganese, won't do it. Those three are linked together. So we have to have adequate zinc, adequate iron, and adequate manganese in order to form that chlorophyll. Your symptoms of a zinc-starved plant would be terminal leaves are abnormally small, often referred to as little leaf syndrome. Fruit bud formation is severely reduced, and some of your plants may have mottled leaves with necrotic or dead areas. Also, not in there, but we know that a zinc deficiency sometimes will show up as almost a white intervenal striping. And so we want to make sure that we're not seeing those visions. But guys, most importantly, please tissue test. Please tissue test. I'm going to talk more about that here in a little bit as to why we want to do that. Coming out of the Echo Farm by Walters. Zinc is now joining the crowd of elements required, in quotation marks, for healthy plant production in the conventional lexicon. Up till very recently, agronomists could not agree on its function except to note that certain weed patterns appeared when zinc disappeared. Isn't this interesting? I've been talking about how the health of the soil is going to be discovered to be very dependent upon microbes, and I believe that. I just keep reading more and more things. Little tidbits here. My good friend Jim from Illinois said he's been finding some articles on it, and he's going to start sharing those with me. But that we're finding out that the micronutrients impact the microbial life in the soil, and they said that the only thing early on that the scientists could agree upon, the agronomist said any place that we had a, where zinc disappeared, we had certain weed patterns up here. Guys, that's interesting. In other words, a zinc deficiency creates more of a weed problem. And we want to make sure we're not doing anything to make those come in better. From Life and Energy, as we take a look at what he has to say about this, and we share this with you, another case worth mentioning is that of zinc. Zinc has become a highly recommended trace element by the experts and institutions. This response follows the addition of this element can be illusionary. Zinc applications may cause a deceptive visual change in the desired crop, but zinc applications may not improve the quality of the crop. The supposed zinc deficiency symptoms can actually be a nitrogen deficiency, which was caused by a phosphate deficiency. Here we are with all of these nutrients interrelated. 
We had a phosphorus deficiency. We know that adequate phosphorus helps take in nitrogen. We also know that adequate nitrogen helps take in phosphorus because they go in together. We know that too much of one can be at the expense of getting enough of the other. It's about getting them in the right ratio. And sometimes this will look like that zinc fixes it because nitrogen is an electrolyte and so is zinc. Therefore, the application of zinc corrects the symptoms, but not the cause behind it. And what are we looking for? Figuring out how it is we're going to fix it. Guys, this is where I said a little bit ago, I wanna talk about a tissue test. Guys, it's so important, so important. We do not want to be out here just applying nutrients based on what we think. Sometimes even when we see a visual, we, ought to need, we need to, well, A, let's do the tissue test and never get a visual because we know that costs us money. And B, when we get the visual, let's go ahead and make sure that we're doing the right thing and confirming that so that we are not misjudging what it is that we're short on and applying a nutrient that we don't need. Maybe even exacerbating the problem because we put on something that was already too much of because we misdiagnosed it. As we look at Donald Schrieffer's book, and I, the more I read him, the more I appreciate all the work that he did and all the things that he studied and, and worked on. He said, we have set our desired zinc levels to be about six to eight parts per million. The Midwest um, table of ratings would say around six is high, and Schrieffer was actually looking for eight. Six will normally be adequate and is a good minimum level for which to strive. We have a lot of people that are low in zinc. Basically, there are three methods for satisfying zinc requirements. We may broadcast it, we can add it to starter bands, or we can apply it as a foliar feed. The method selected will be determined by factors such as cost, convenience, and land tenure, deciding how long we're gonna have it. Note, and guys, I really wanna pound on this. Never add a sulfated product, such as a zinc sulfate, to a liquid phosphate. You will end up with a gravel-like precipitate. Another method of applying zinc is to add it to the starter fertilizer. Banding concentrates material requiring less to do the job. But guys, it's not a place for zinc sulfate. Zinc sulfate is going to be your enemy if you're putting it in with starter, and we don't want to do that. He also talks about the fact that using a zinc oxide is probably not the best idea because it would not become available until about the same time as harvest, which would be too late. So here we are saying, hey, Putting it on, putting on a lot of pounds may not do the job. A zinc oxide is not going to break down until close to fall. We want to make sure we're using the right thing there. We personally like the chelated zinc in the seed trench and then come back with a foliar feed. One to two quarts of an eight to 10% zinc chelate per acre banded with the starter fertilizer will manage your zinc needs on an annual basis in most row crops. Another method of supplying zinc is through foliar application. In foliar application, using liquid forms especially designed for this type of application is an excellent method. But guys, what do we have to do? We have to be using something that was built for this. Let's take a side trip real quick because I'm catching a lot of people who are saying, man, you don't want to use chelated anything when you're foliar feeding. And I tend to respectfully disagree. I believe that we have to make sure that the electromagnetic charge of the nutrient we're applying is correct so that there isn't an attraction and that is drawn into the plant as opposed to repelled. Negative charged nutrients are repelled by the leaf. When we chelate them, we change that charge to positive so that it is pulled in. And therefore, we believe in that chelation process. We also believe that we just have a lot of results. I talked to several people just today and they were talking about how well it worked when they applied the nutrients that were called for in the tissue test 
in the forms that we recommended and that we used. And that's what the bottom line is, guys. It's all about the results. How are we going to get the results that we want? How are we going to get to making more money? Because ROI is the bottom line. One other thing here that he talks about, and this is highlighted and underlined, and I put an asterisk around it. And the fact of the matter is this. We strongly believe that the triad of nitrogen, phosphorus, and zinc will always function better in combination than when used singularly. Here it is again, three things that are dependent upon each other, and they need to be present in adequate amounts throughout the growing season. And that's what we're looking at when we row apply these products, when we ban that nitrogen or when we pre-plant some and put some on, but not too much because we don't want to flood that plant with nitrogen. Why do we put zinc with phosphorus? Well, as long as the phosphorus is orthophosphate and the zinc is chelated, it becomes readily available to the plant and goes in very easily to get that response that you want. Looking at hands-on agronomy, and I appreciate Neil more each and every day, but let's consider what would happen if nitrogen is oversupplied. First of all, too much nitrogen can induce a zinc deficiency, and zinc is in instrumental in being able to absorb moisture. Therefore, if we are inadequate with our zinc, it takes a lot more water to do the job, especially in corn production. Guys, if we want to drought-proof our crop, we need to have all of the nutrients available in the right amount. And if we use too much nitrogen and we don't have enough zinc, or we use too much nitrogen and we create a zinc deficiency, what happens? Now, all of a sudden, we are not efficient with our water use. And let's be real, the last few years have been pretty tough on water use. You know, we're sitting here in southeast Iowa, We've had 2.5 inches of rain this month, and we're hoping that we can get 2.5 tonight. Our ponds are dry, and it's just really dry everywhere, and we are hoping for that. But we have to utilize whatever moisture that we have appropriately. If you have high sulfur, you need high phosphorus. We've talked about that and vice versa. If you have high phosphorus, you need high sulfur. If your soil has borderline phosphorus and high zinc, the zinc can cause a problem in that you don't get enough phosphate. But if you have really high phos levels, then you probably need to add zinc. We know that if you have a P1 test above 25 in phosphorus, that you need to add zinc to the starter. We know if you have a P2 test over 50, you need to add zinc to the starter. And that's why we're making, you know, doing the research to come up with these things that make a person money when they use it in the appropriate fashion. Zinc is probably the most universally helpful of all the micronutrients audited via the soil test. When it is short, it adversely affects moisture absorption in the corn. We're just coming back to this. We really want to make sure that we're doing the right thing here so that, guys, we don't require water above and beyond what we can get by with. We want to be as judicious as we can. We want to make sure that we're getting the right amount of nutrients on, and therefore we're utilizing that water just as perfectly as at all possible. Zinc aids in the absorption of moisture along with potassium. Think of zinc as being critical in moisture situations. And guys, when we're talking about along with potassium, we're not talking about potassium chloride. We're talking about potassium. It's really important that we have the right form and not something that also dries out the soil. It also, zinc also helps transform carbohydrates. It regulates plant sugar, and it plays a role in the enzyme systems functioning as well with the growth regulators that are normally present in a plant 
and in protein synthesis. Now here we are talking about the industries wanting to sell a lot of PGRs, and we have some. I'm not, I'm not railing on that idea. However, I am suggesting that a plant growth regulator come in after and above everything else done correctly from a nutrient standpoint. In other words, if we're just trying to use a PGR to hide a zinc deficiency, why don't we just fix the zinc? The zinc impacts the other nutrients. It impacts how we use different other nutrients. It impacts how we use the moisture. So let's make sure that we're doing the right thing here and that we are helping with a natural plant growth regulator, which is called zinc. Consider zinc needs, especially in your sensitive crops, such as corn and grain sorghum, also in soybeans and dry beans. And as far as zinc levels are concerned, we're looking at about six parts per million. Guys, it's been a pleasure to do these. I'm going to see if I can fit in a wrap-up here. And I hope that you have found your best Christmas shirts. Get those babies dug out and let's be festive. Let's remember why we're celebrating. Let's remember whose birth that it is. But guys, I, I hope that you find value in this. Got a nice email today from Jeff. Out Jeff lives out east and is farming out there. And Jeff, somebody from the team will be calling you. And guys, just reach out to it. I really hope that you guys are having a blessed holiday. Spend time with your family to love on them and to regenerate just a little bit. God bless you, and we really do hope you're having a better day.